Welcome to the Variety Hour on AM 990, where local leaders talk Memphis. Listen to you, move your mouth. I bet you come way down south. Now don't tell me, let me guess. You from the town that I love best. Talk Memphis, I wish you would. Talk Memphis, you sound so good. Talk Memphis, high on the bluff. I swear I can't get enough. Welcome to Talk Money on AM 990. And now here's your host, Jim Shoemaker. And a good Friday morning, a good long three-day weekend coming up. Fourth of July. You know, guys, I think the Fourth of July, Keith, is one of my... I love the Fourth of July. It is one of mine because, <laughs> it, you know, I enjoy the fireworks, and I used to probably enjoy it a little too much. Now I've been told that not we don't do that in, as much. As much, right. I do like the fireworks shows, though. I mean, the... You know, we're going to be out in Lakeland, of course, where we live, and out, sure. that's uh, that's always a great fireworks show. There's you know fireworks Big show all here. over yeah. the same city, and it's fun to go to and enjoy, and it's fun to go and watch the people. I mean, I enjoy watching. People. I mean, this is an all-American holiday. It is hot it dogs, is. hamburgers, and fireworks. That's uh, not necessarily in that order. No, but... not in that order. Yeah. <laughs> uh, you're listening, of course, to Jim Shoemaker and Keith Quinn. My guest today is Latrice McClendon. She'll be talking to us in the second half of the program about four guardrails to financial safety. You don't want to miss that part. These are guardrails that if you really look at them and study them, they can keep you out of a lot of trouble. So that's in the second half of the program, Latrice McLean, and she uh, is going to just give us great amounts of in, you know, advice. And But Keith, we talk about guardrails. This time guardrails, last week, right. we led with the program that the market was going away, sell our stuff, got, buy our guns, because Brexit, you know, Great Britain was going to exit, and they did. They voted to exit. And yet today, it's a different story. Well, we, wo- we woke up last week with Europe being down anywhere from, you know, 8 to 10%. The U.S. futures were off 800 points at one point, I believe, or 700 right. to 800. Right. And it was just, again, it was the end of the world. The sky is falling. The Brexit vote, uh, the Britain has voted to leave the U.K., doom and gloom. Uh, and what did we say last week? Uh, steady as you go. Steady as you go. And so. don't let the headlines cause panic. And yet we saw much money moving to gold, much money moving to, to things that just, you know, it's all that safety. And again, I am never going to say to anybody, if that's what you feel like, if that's your risk, okay. Well, no, I would say that. That's well, not if that's the risk, <laughs> if, that's their, if, if somebody yeah, is okay. somebody, no, it's not okay. I'm, I was trying to be nice. You know, <laughs> I know. Trying to be politically correct. Uh, yes, I know. But, but the reality is people, if they really pay attention, and we have a strong philosophy about talking to people about understanding asset allocation. Right. We don't invest for the day. There are people that do that every day, and that's fine. We, when we're talking to clients, we're talking about working with you, understanding your goal, your your long-range goal, we hope. And right. there's people that have short-range goals. And by the way, we understand that. And you don't put a lot of money in the investment arena if it's a short-range goal. It's in other things that are safer. So we're not moving. We've right. just made that plan. And I was saying that a little bit tongue-in-cheek as well. Obviously, it's everyone's, you know, this is real money. It's, it's an emotional issue. And if your emotions just can't handle it, then it's, you know, sometimes that, uh, you know, you have to do that where you just take less volatility risk. But we talked about it last week. And one of the fundamentals about this was it wasn't about the fundamentals. You know, when we looked at the actual impact of this, it's something that even worst case plays out two years into the future. It had nothing to do with the value of companies last Friday. Absolutely. Uh, and that was the big thing. You know, one of the headlines you saw 
today, and I can't remember exactly <laughs> what it was about Brexit spills over into the U.S. Yes, and, and then, then it said headwinds with the market. And, you know, it, we talk about that all the time. If I'm going to, you said it to me today earlier preparing for the program, headlines seem to be very pessimistic and, and create that, ooh, you know, that they, fear. They are. And you said, well, what? I said, if, if it bleeds, it leads. <laughs> and, that, you know, that's the way you get people to read yeah. that article. Oh, yeah. my gosh, it's the end of the world. What's this all about? You know, if it was a happy, good, you know, the market's going to be fine. Don't worry. People have put the paper down. I wouldn't read the paper. <laughs> right. Exactly right. Well, you're going to be listening to Keith when we come back because he has been down to the, the up to Chicago, really, to the 28th Annual Morningstar Investment Conference. Of course, Keith, as you know, is our chief investment officer at Shoemaker Financial. So we're going to walk through everything, everything he heard and learned while he was in Chicago at the Morningstar Convention. So stay with us. We'll be right back. Jim Shoemaker and Keith Quinn are registered representatives and investment advisors, and Latrice McLinn is a registered representative of Securian Financial Services Incorporated, securities dealer member FINRA SIPC, a registered investment advisor. Shoemaker Financial is independently owned and operated and is not affiliated with any of the companies mentioned in this show. Talk Money will return right after this. Investment risks associated with international investing, in addition to other risks, may include currency fluctuations, political, social, and economic instability, and differences in accounting standards when investing in foreign markets. And now, once again, here's your host for Talk Money, Jim Shoemaker. Well, welcome back. We were talking about Brexit. We were talking about the market last week when we did the show. Of course, you know, we were going through much volatility. And the reality is we've seen that change. Volatility still happened this past week. It just didn't go down. It was volatility that was moving upward. And will continue to happen. And will continue to be that way. That's a great point, Keith, because this is the market. We talked about asset allocation. We talked about understanding diversification. I know we feel like we preach this all the time. But we do. it is fundamental, a, fundamentally a, a basic part of anybody's investment world. And I think preach is the right word because it's a fundamental belief. This yeah. is a belief, and this works over time. Now, I'll admit, I'll be the first one to admit, I am a little surprised by how quickly we bounce back. I, I agree with that you know, I would have thought we'd shoot a little bit more to the downside, typically when it's it, emotional. Yeah, right, I go agree. a little bit further I to agree. the downside. So it was so emotional, I thought, okay, yeah. you're right. And, and again, I think that's normal. I didn't also think that we'd get out of the EU, that Great Britain would vote to get out of the I EU. I was pretty sure that they would vote to stay. stay. And uh, so were a lot of people. Well, a, a lot of people were, and I think that was the biggest reason that the market dropped so much last Friday was because of the unexpected nature of the mm -hmm. vote. The market hadn't really priced that in. Everyone was kind of thinking, you know, from the odds makers on up, that they were going to vote to stay in the EU. And there's a lot of reasons why to stay, but there's also a lot of reasons to leave. Uh, you know, I had been on a conference call this week that you and I talked about with uh, mm -hmm. Tony Blair, the former mm -hmm. prime minister of, of Britain, and he was talking about the just in the words he described it, the hideous complexity it's going to take to unwind all these trade deals with the EU. And he made the point that, again, that we've talked about before, there's 28 of these individual countries in the EU and every single parliament, every single government has to approve every one of these deals. He was just, just listening to him talk about it. You could just see, see it's going to be a, it's going to be a little bit of a nightmare unwinding all this so stuff. So they got a referendum about maybe getting another vote, which was kind of shocking. Well, they, you know, they do, they had a petition and I, the last I saw was last Sunday and had 3 million signatures asking for another referendum vote. Now, he did say that, you know, if they had, uh, you know, a sufficient clarity 
uh, abundantly clear were the exact words he used, with sufficient numbers and sufficient clarity that the majority of the people wanted to stay in the EU, then that might be something that could be reversed. This is not a binding decision yet. And he made the analogy of it's like a house swap, except you don't know what the other house looks like. And you've got two different guys telling you it looks like two different things. And now people are getting a chance to see what the house actually looks like. And they're having a little bit of buyer's remorse. Yeah, it's called maybe a three-day free look. <laughs> yeah, I, I think we should totally have a three-day free look on that. Well, if you just tuned in, I'm Jim Shoemaker. The course with me today is Keith Quinn. He has been with us a lot. He has been, of course, my uh, co-host for years. And uh, But what I so much appreciate, Keith, Keith takes time out of his very busy schedule as a chief investment officer for Shoemaker Financial. But this is probably a conference that I don't have to say, Keith, you've got to go. Keith kind of uh, plans it for his year, and it is one that he thoroughly enjoys. It's the, it's the annual Morningstar Investment Conference. Most of you know about Morningstar. Of course, they're one of our chief you know, groups that does a lot of analysis for us. And when Keith's there, he is listening and meeting and talking to people that we talk to all the time uh, about what they're doing inside their investment portfolios. And so, Keith, let's start with this. Ex- explain to us what is really, I just kind of give a little bit, but you take it a little bit deeper. What's the Morningstar Conference? Right. The Morningstar Conference, this is the 28th year we've had this conference. It brings in all of these different uh, asset managers, the executives from some of the management companies, the economists, the strategists, all the best and the brightest come to Chicago once a year to tell all of us as advisors, as planners, uh, you know, what's going on not only in the economy, what new strategies are out there, what they think about managing money, what they think about the future. It's just just a wealth of information. I, I love going to it. Do, do you, I know it's not 20 people, it's uh, two over 2000. Yeah, over 2,000 attended so this year. So this is, uh, as you said, the best and the brightest. These right. guys are walking around talking about what you do every day because Absolutely. it's exactly what they're doing every day. It, it really is. And one of the, you know, one of the overriding things you always walk away with is kind of a fundamental faith in the future. And, you know, we talk about that when you're thinking further out, you know, we could debate what the next month is going to be like, what the next quarter is going to be like, and no one really knows. But these guys are always thinking longer term. They're thinking about what the next three years looks like, what the next five years looks like. Uh, it's, it's just, it's really, uh, again, encouraging to get that, that idea, that sense that they're talking about investing in good companies, not something scary mm. like the S&P 500, right. but good, solid companies. Yeah, and so when you talk about topics, I mean, you, you've just mentioned strategies and trends, right. and, and I guess it, it's the economy too, isn't it? I mean, they, Oh, it's they... absolutely the economy. One of the keynote speakers was Austin Goolsby. Uh, Austin is a professor of economics at the University of Chicago School of Business and the former chair of President Obama's Council of Economic Advisors. He's also an advisor to the Federal Reserve Bank of New York, and all he talked about was the economy, and we had a whole session on that. And he made some great analogies to why we haven't seen a V-shaped recovery after the recession that we went through from 2007 to 2009. And so you take that information, and as you're gathering information around these guys, you come back to the office and begin to put our you know, tweaking our philosophy, tweaking what we're thinking. I know there's you get a you get an update from seventy some odd economists a month right. every, every month, month, right? And it's it's kind of saying what they're looking at currently and what they're looking at in the future. Now we all know I can sometimes take pot shots at economists. It's kind of fun. You sure. know, two great jokes: lawyers and economists, and you yeah. kind of, you kind of fit both of those categories. Yeah, guy, yeah, yeah a little bit. I so hate it's that. kind yeah. of easy, That's you know. True. So uh, <laughs> hey, Keith, you know, if you heard the British lawyer <laughs> joke, yeah. you know. but but the reality is the. The, the thing is, you gain, you, you gather an enormous amount of information. Our investment committee sits down, right. puts a lot of that into our thought process. And then from there, it drills down.
down into how we invest? Well, it helps us think about the, the macro, because the macro is important when you're thinking about asset allocation, you know, where we want to invest. Uh, but it also helps us focus on the fundamentals. And I think both of those are, are really important. Uh, and, you know, thinking about, we're thinking about the macro, you know, we think about things like, are we, you know, potentially at risk of another recession and things like that. And, and, so the and, economist helped you pick that up. He, he does. And, and again, Austin was, was really great in that he helped us understand a little bit why the Fed's forecast have been so off over the last several years. You know, he talked a lot about the Fed's model he thinks is a little bit broken in that when they look at an improvement in housing, they're assuming that housing is going back to the way it was in 2006. And if you look from 1998 to 2006, uh, the housing was basically growing at 13.5% a year. And that's not the way it's probably going to be going forward. He referenced the 90 years before 1998 when it was growing at 40 basis points a year. So he said, you know, they have this idea that you're going back to the exact same economy that we were in before the recession started in 2007. Uh, and he doesn't seem to th see that as being the case. Another example was the savings rate. Remember in 2006, we had a negative savings rate. Nobody was uh, saving money, spending more than they earned. Yeah, just uh, no, with no questions asked. No questions asked. And the latest number we saw that uh, just came out was the savings rate is now is at 5.3%. We're not going back to that negative savings right. rate. So you the know, Fed's right now, we're in, we're, we're right close to being either the highest. I know it's, it may not be the highest. I'm not sure. But well, of the country, you know, the U.S., the North American U.S., the whole area, saving more money than we've ever saved. Absolutely. Absolutely. And that's kind of a rare. I mean, that's. It a, is rare, but it also gives us one of those kind of protections. So we think about the housing bubble in 2007, 2008. We think about people, individuals being so levered that they couldn't stand the right. financial shock exactly. of that blow to the financial mm -hmm. system. And we just don't see that now. You know, one of the things, do you, when you go in these 2000, let me ask you this, because I know in a lot of the conferences that I go similar to this, I'm always amazed. Did you see, is this, you've been enough now, you right. go all the time. So so here's the deal. You look at there's 2,000 people in the room. Right. It's at the same 2,000, or do you see a lot of turnover? Uh, you see a lot of the same folks. It, it's, what does that say to you? I mean, well, it says that, you know, we, we want to see what the, the, the updates are, what yeah. everybody thinks, because, you know, this is a, it's an evolving picture. You know, where we were this year is not exactly where we were last year. Yeah. You know, and especially in the investment landscape. And it, it's one of the things that, in fact, you and I talked about this. Uh, one of the speakers on the last day was uh, Bill McNabb. Uh, Bill's the chairman and CEO of Vanguard. And as of, uh, you know, June 21st, when we were up there, Vanguard is managing around three and a half trillion dollars in assets. So just, I give some weight to what little, Bill thinks. Just a little you money. Know, just, yeah. a, just a yeah, little no. bit of money. Uh, but he was talking about, you know, the complexity that we have in some of these investment vehicles. And he spoke about the five-minute rule. And he said, if you can't understand an investment in five minutes, you probably ought to pass on it. Mm. So it's it's that practical advice and thinking about how we communicate that to our clients. If we can't explain something in five minutes, then, then you know, maybe that is a little too That's complex. That's a great point, because I think sometimes we could uh, easily get into the weeds and get to the point where we're talking a language to the average client who comes in and says, you know, guys, you're over my head. And right. that's, that's a great thought to hear from the guy who's managing the one of the largest funds out there, the president. And he's saying, guys, that's not how you do it. And he was saying that that's what they use internally. So some of these guys who were brilliant, uh, yeah. he was saying the same thing to them. You know, if you can't understand that, then maybe it's something that we want to pass on. And there are a lot of marketing ploys to, you know, different investment strategies. Right. And, and you would want to be careful with that. You know, that's a good point, because I think so many people, you know, I know we talk about this all the time, that if somebody 
We think there's a certain amount of necessity for optimism in our business. Absolutely. You cannot be pessimistic. There's enough pessimism running around, as we talked earlier, in the journal, in, you know, uh, all the newspapers or even on the radio. It's just you said if it bleeds, it, it you know, you read it. Yeah, you, you right. Know, that's the mindset. So I guess the thought is, do you sense, though, that people are throwing out their pessimistic mindset or their mentality to be least neutral and they're always positive they're always that you know that optimistic mindset or they're being realist i I think they're being realist so you know even and again i'll come back to to bill mcnab when they were talking about the next 10 years and he was talking about vanguard's expected returns and equities he was saying six to seven percent now we're talking about u.s stocks u.s companies six to seven percent over the next 10 years and u.s bonds being around two percent you know these are not wildly uh, optimistic uh, expectations or predictions you know if he'd have said 10 to 12 there would have been a flock to that everybody because that wouldn't have been realistic it wouldn't have been realistic yeah but the key is he wasn't trying to do that did you sense that across the board uh i think so these guys are you know they're they're grounded in reality uh they know that it's you know just like uh, the the economic growth is low and slow you know it's going to be around two percent Nobody was coming in saying we're going to grow at 5% GDP in the U.S. You know, everybody is pretty realistic about where we are. Same thing with earnings. You know, we've had five negative quarters of earnings. Uh, Everybody's realistic about that, but they do expect earnings to rebound in the second half of this year. It's something that we would look forward to. You know, one of our guests frequently is Bob Dahl. Sure. He does a great job, of course, managing the Nuveen Asset Management Group, and he's very, very successful. Been around a long time. And I always talk to Bob. Bob's a good friend. And when I talked to him, I said, Bob, I think you're optimistic. And he said, I am, you know, right. I need to be, but he f- faces that fact that says, but at the end of the day, all of his team, and there's a bunch of them, we have to manage realism. That's right. You know, we have to accept the economic environment we're in. Again, we have some headwinds to growth. We know that. We're going to see, uh, you know, probably, uh, and this was, again, one of the speakers was a Dr. Michael Hassenstab with Franklin Templeton Investments. One of the things he sees is a continuing strengthening U.S. dollar based on some of the things we've talked about before, the negative interest rates from the Bank of Japan, negative interest rates and quantitative easing from the European Central Bank. So that would mean a strong dollar. Well, a strong dollar is a headwind for our multinational companies who are exporting goods. So, you know, we have to realize that that's just the, you know, that's the, that's the reality of the situation. So it's not just blind optimism. It's cautious optimism. It's cautious optimism. We have somebody in our office who uses that term a lot, <laughs> CFO. We're cautiously optimistic. But, yeah. but the reality is that helps us when we know that understand the dynamics to help convey that to our clients. It's not about the product. It's not about you know, returns. Right. It's a lot about what are they trying to do? What's their goals? What's their what is their expectations? What what are just working with them and understanding that and then moving through that process. I think that's one of the, the key things, especially when you think about it from a fi- uh, financial planning context. You do not want to overpromise something that's not realistic. If you have realistic expectations, clients understand those expectations, it helps you to stick with your plan. Because, you know, as we talked about last Friday, you know, your plan did not change from Thursday afternoon to Friday morning. So if your plan doesn't change, your portfolio doesn't change. If we understand that there's inherent volatility in an own inequities, then we can, we can stick that out. I want to ask you in a few minutes, what did you, what were your takeaways, you know, what you're hearing all these pictures. If you just tuned in, I'm talking with Keith Quinn, and he has attended the 28th Annual Morningstar Investment Conference. 
Uh, it, it's always a good conference for us to have Keith to come back. He works. He's, of course, the chairman of our investment committee also and as uh, our chief investment officer and guides us through a whole lot of this. And the client benefits from this. This is what the client benefits. I hope so. From. What I think you do such a good job with as an investment committee chairman is helping people sometimes understand you can run numbers. We're right, all sure. you know, computers today. I can make a you know, number do just about whatever I want it to do. March down Poplar Avenue, if that's what we think it ought to do. The reality is I can take a date and change two days. Oh, and, and totally change and the totally number. And totally change the market. And so if I want to show something to, that says, wow, you know, this looks great, just by manipulating the dates of when I show it. And that is what we you do a great job of pounding that down on everybody and saying to us, guys, don't do that because you're setting up an expectation that's not real. That's exactly right. You know, when we talk about, you know, portfolios and the only true numbers we have for returns are looking into, into the past. So if we look 10 years into the past, guess what? Bonds look really good. Yeah. But then you come back to Bill McNabb from Vanguard saying 2% average annual for the next 10 years. That's not that the is same. not what we experienced <laughs> Over the last 10 exactly. years. Exactly. So that's why I liked what you do is to help everybody, the client first, make sure the client's being uh, guided in the right side by doing our advisors, helping all 60 of our advisors to really understand there's a lot more to this. There's some firms, guys, and we all know that just it's about numbers and how they can manipulate them. I get frustrated with that. I get I get to the point where I say, come on, guys, let's, let's, everybody ought to play fair, play with real Back to your realistic statement, but we know that doesn't happen. I'm, you know, and I would hope that, that we all do this, but we're not trying to sell people. We're trying to give them a long-term plan that's going to help them accomplish their goals. That's yeah. that's what it's all about, that's and that's the line. that's what I'm trying to sell. The fact that we're going to help you accomplish yeah. your long-term goals. Very quickly, tell us what you got. I mean, you just picked up so much knowledge. I mean, I've been listening to you. You won't stop about it. You know, <laughs> it's like okay, I went to the ball game, and I got to tell you about. You know, Keith goes to the investment committee meeting, and he comes back and loves it. Well, I think you know some of the things that we heard a lot about were, were valuation. And we've talked about that with the U.S. market. And again, we saw this. Remember, the conference was before last Friday. U.S. market probably fairly valued, if not a little bit expensive, but not really the same overseas. And you see that especially. And again, Dr. Hassenstab from Franklin Templeton, who is the uh, chief investment officer for Templeton Global Macro, one of their uh, uh, portfolio managers. He really looks at the in-depth global macroeconomics. So one of the uh, issues we've had over the last year, year and a half has been China. And he talked about Chinese growth and he talked about the fact that there's this two-speed Chinese economy, that the manufacturing sector, you know, probably has been in a recession. But because of the one-child policy that they instituted back in the 70s, they have fewer workers that are competing for these jobs, which are raising wages, which is raising consumption. Raising the, the middle class. Exactly right. And the Chinese, remember, they're trying to switch their economy from being export-oriented back to being more consumption-driven like we are. Uh, and that's all playing out. And he sees some real opportunities, uh, thinks that, you know, while you can't totally trust their growth numbers, that they still look pretty strong. You know, if you just tuned in, Keith Quinn, I'm Jim Shoemaker. We've got uh, Latrice McClendon's going to come up in a few minutes to talk about guardrails. But boy, if you don't want to know, this is this guy's got more knowledge in his little finger than most people have. <laughs> we'll be back because he's going to talk about Bill McNabb when we come back and summarize everything going on right after this. 
Shoemaker Financial and Securian Financial Services are not affiliated with Kurt Zarnowski or Zarnowski Consulting. Shoemaker Financial and Securian Financial Services do not provide tax or legal advice. Individuals should always consult their tax and legal professionals regarding their own specific situation. Jim Shoemaker and Rob Clement are registered representatives and investment advisor representatives of Securian Financial Services Incorporated, securities dealer, member FINRA, SIPC. A registered investment advisor, Shoemaker Financial is independently owned and operated. Jim Shoemaker, Michael Powell, and Jason Harrington are registered representatives and investment advisor representatives of Securian Financial Services Incorporated Securities Dealer Member FINRA SIPC. A registered investment advisor, Shoemaker Financial is independently owned and operated. Well, welcome back. I'm Jim Shoemaker. I've got Keith Quinn in the office with me in the studio and Latrice McLean coming up in just a few minutes. She's going to talk about four guardrails to financial safety. You do not want to miss that. Stay with us because she's going to guide us through. You know, you talk about guardrails. Some people think guardrails are for people to drive recklessly. That's probably true. I use them when I go bowling and just a whole reason for that. So we'll <laughs> figure that out in a few minutes. But right now I am talking with a guy that has spent about a week in Chicago going through the Morningstar Investment Conference, the 28th annual Morningstar Investment Conference. Of course, he is the chief investment officer for Shoemaker Financial, Keith Quinn. He also chairs our investment committee and has a wealth of knowledge. And we've been talking about all the things that happen and how we work through that process and what he brings back to us. And he listens to people like Hassan Staub, you know, the Templeton Global Manager. You got Goldsby, you're talking about these, the you know, Economic University of Chicago economics professor. Bill McNabb, chairman and CEO of Vanguard. And just continually for the whole week, Keith, what you're doing is gaining insight from a from a macro standpoint of what's happening globally. And then you Absolutely. pull that you talked about China a few mm-hmm. minutes ago. And so as you go through that, then you pull it down and help us that Bill McNabb had some thoughts that I wanted you to share with before we go just to the summary. Right. And it was, you know, again, he's a, a CEO of Vanguard, which is a huge asset management right. firm. Right. Uh, but he talked about, you know, uh, the fundamentals, thinking about the fundamentals, talked a lot about fees. Vanguard's uh, mandate has been fees. He fees. thinks, you know, he always, thinks, they set their reputation. On Absolutely. Fees. They're not always giving us the best numbers, but their fees right. are always right. by and large. There's a few that might be, but by and large, we like their fees. And, you know, when we totally agree, fees are one of those things that we can control. We Absolutely. want to get the lowest possible fee in an investment yes. without and, giving away the yeah. performance. And when we look at that, we look at it from the global side. If we're putting together a portfolio for a client, we look at what is the overall cost of this portfolio. Absolutely. It's, it's again, it's one of those things we can control. We focus a lot of time on it. But he also talked about, you know, the fundamentals of investing. And one of the things that I think we do is, you know, being uh, willing to tell people, you know, what they really need to hear. And he said too many times investors get in this mindset of they're looking for a double-digit return to bail them out to hit that number, when really what they should have been doing was saving more on the front end. Sometimes that's a hard thing to say, Mm -hmm. that you need to save more money to hit your goals. But if you build in an assumption of a 10% return, and that's just not realistic, then you're hurting those people, and you're not helping them accomplish their goal. And you're just set up, Latrice, when she comes on, as saving money, doing the things, being disciplined, being, being disciplined as you do it. That's a perfect example. One of the things that you do well as the chair of our investment committee and really guiding and teaching our people in a very way. You talk about stressing a portfolio, pushing it to the hilt and saying, can it survive under 
some very severe conditions. Talk about those. Well, and you know, we think about that. So how, how are we going to react? And, and one of the things that we sometimes look at is, you know, how did a portfolio hold up in 2008? How are they positioned to stand, you know, withstand these existential shocks? You know, some of the things that we, we can't see or plan these for, we, we call them black swans, yeah. right? You know, I, I can't possibly forecast a tsunami in Japan, uh, but we can think about some of the other things. We can think about slower earnings. We can think about a stronger dollar. We can think about a weaker pound. Uh, and that comes... And higher inflation. And higher inflation. We can think about interest rates, and that's not one of the things that we've mentioned, but one of the things that the Brexit vote did bring up is the Fed is probably not going to raise rates in July. Probably not going to raise rates this year this until year. after the election, maybe after the election. It's going to depend on some of the numbers we see coming up. Next Friday, we're going to have the employment number, so we'll see if we rebound it a little bit from that 38,000 jobs we added last month. But it's it's thinking about those things and, and you know thinking about how companies and countries react to that. You know, Dr. Hassenstab talked an awful lot about, you know, one of the things he thought was overvalued in the market. And again, this is not meant to be an investment recommendation, but he talked about treasuries. Treasuries have done really well. And the, uh, the yields have come down to a four-year low as all this money has flown into them. But he said, again, thinking about fundamentals, two of the biggest buyers of U.S. treasuries, the Asian central banks, uh, OPEC, these oil-rich OPEC countries just aren't really buying treasuries anymore. Mm. Um, you know, one of the candidates for president's, uh, the presidency is talking about, you know, China trying to devalue their currency. No, they're trying to prop up their currency. They've been liquidating their treasury holdings to keep Take their currency. Absolutely. Yeah, that's good point. Uh, so it's, you know, one of the, it's thinking about things like that and how different companies can react to that. And that's what a lot of these managers do really well. When we talk about a bottom-up fundamental manager, that means you're going in and you're looking at a company, you're you're looking at their cash flow, you're looking at their competitive advantage, you're looking at their balance sheet, and you're trying to see what the prospects are for them to have a return that outpaces inflation you know, over the long term. And that's what these guys do great. Well, if you've just been listening, of course, it's Keith Quinn, he's a chief investment officer for Shoemaker Financial, and just returned from a Morning Star conference. If you've got questions, all you need to do is call one of the advisors at 757-5757. Keith is a resource to all of our advisors at Shoemaker Financial, does an excellent job of taking you sometimes into the economic and the thought process and the weeds and giving you some great insight. As I said, smarter, more, you know, more, more knowledge in his little finger than I'm totally gifted with. But the reality is... <laughs> Which is so not true, but I, I guess you're allowed to yeah, lie on the radio. Yeah, like to gain it. That's what I do. I like that stick a straw in it every now and then and suck some of that good stuff out. So it's good stuff. And uh, always we get in touch with him that way. We're going to come back in just a second. Latrice is going to just walk us through the guardrails. And this is what you don't want to miss. Everything Keith said is about the macro look, the fundamentals of investment. What, what Latrice is going to do is think about it, help us understand some basic fundamentals, some cornerstone stuff. So, Rebecca Brazier, Missed Out History Moment, we'll be back right after that with Latrice McClinton talking about the guardrails. Life insurance products contain fees such as mortality and expense charges and may contain restrictions such as surrender periods. Talk Money will return right after this. This material represents an assessment of the market environment at a specific point in time and is not intended to be a forecast of future events or a guarantee of future results. This information should not be relied upon by the listener as research or investment advice regarding any funds or stocks in particular, nor should it be construed as a recommendation to purchase or sell a security. Past performance is not indicative of future results. Investments will fluctuate and when redeemed may be worth more or less than when originally invested. Helping you make the most of your money, this is Talk Money. 
Well, welcome back. Latrice McLean is with me now. She's going to talk about guardrails to financial security. Now, when I said guardrails a while ago, I know some people think of a guardrail. You know, you're on the interstate. You see the guardrails. Hey, that's to protect me. You know, if I drive off the road, I'm not going to stray into something. I think of guardrails when I go bowling because I ask for them every time. It's the only way I can make, you know, I use guardrails to get, you know. <laughs> yeah, mine, mine did not jump immediately to bowling. But yeah. <laughs> <laughs> okay, guys. But you also know the last time I went bowling. Uh, yeah, right. I was only, I, 10, I remember I was that. only yeah. 10 years old, so they gave me guardrails. Yeah. No, I'm kidding. But here, Latrice, uh, again, welcome to the program, lady. You're always a Thank great you. guest to be with us today. Thank you. You know, guardrails, what do guardrails do? Financial guardrails. Lay all jokes aside, not the ones on the interstate, not the ones in pooper pool or when you're playing poop, you're uh, bowling. What are financial guardrails? Well, as you know, regular guardrails are to prevent you from driving off into dangerous right. uh, areas of the road. Financial guardrails do the same thing. They're going to uh, protect you from a financial crisis or help you to survive one. Okay, so what you're doing is putting something together just yes. to say, okay, if, as Keith talked about earlier, if there is some traumatic black swan, yes. such as a tsunami, or, or so, then you've got guardrails that said, hey, I can weather through that. And Keith, what you're talking about, that 5% savings rate, Absolutely. which you set her up perfect for that, is the reality is we're now beginning to do that. And that's a change in our basic philosophy over the last 25 years. Yes, definitely is. Yeah, one of the guardrails is about uh, your savings and your emergency. Well, let's talk about it. Give me number one. Let's go out here. You said earlier when we were preparing for the the program, the whole idea of getting organized. Getting organized. With getting organized, that is just managing your money and making sure you get your financial documents together where it's easily accessible. Okay, so when you talk about that, I mean... You know, Keith, and we all talk about this, Latrice, that people mm-hmm. spend more time watching television, driving mm-hmm. to work. A lot of times if you're commuting, you know, doing the leisure things in life than yes. they do actually spending time managing money, thinking about their money. It is intentionally setting side time to get that done, to manage your money. And if you're married, you need to sit down with your spouse maybe once a week and do this. So when you when you commit to that once a week, help me with understanding what organizing your financial documents really means. Organizing your financial documents is just, like I said earlier, making sure you know where your documents are so they are easily accessible to you if you need them. And some of the documents may be things like investment statements, uh, credit card statements, bank statements, life insurance policies, your tax uh, refunds, returns, things like that. Your will, the last will and testament? Your will. If your attorney does not have it, yes, your will. So we kind of think about that. I mean, I want my attorney to have it. I want to have a copy. And, of course, I being the financial planner. And then if it's me personally, I want that. And I want my spouse to know where that is. Yes. So that's all. You know, you talk about this, get organized. I I will give you a history from my wife and I. We've been married 44 years. And I taught a lot of budget counseling, a lot of early on in my career, taught mm-hmm. in the churches in Memphis and Mid-South and just about this, this getting organized, helping them understand some stewardship principles. Because really what you're talking yes. about is stewardship principles, it biblical-based is. stewardship principles. Mm-hmm. Uh, Linda and I used to take January of every year, and we went up to Cape Girardeau. There was a Holiday Inn up there that had a an atrium with a pool. Right. This was uh-huh. before the kids, but it, when the kids came along, they could play out in the pool and we could organize. And uh-huh. that's what we did. We would literally go and spend that day. It would be a Saturday. 
Most of the time we did it for the weekend, and so it was a partly work time, but, but it yes. wasn't work. It was open communication because yes. we do live busy lives, and, and this was a point where, you know, let's talk about this next Friday. Well, Friday would come, and shucks, it got busy, it got sidetracked, get into, well, hey, let's do it Sunday afternoon. Four o'clock Sunday afternoon, it didn't work. So we just said once once a month, I mean, mm-hmm. excuse me, once a year, mm-hmm. we would take a time drive, and that is all we did. Took all of our notes. I can remember, and this is why I'm telling you this, I can remember getting up there, and she implied that she had told me, she said, I'm coming prepared to share with you what our house looks needs to look like and, and what our furniture needs to look like. And you got to realize mm-hmm. we've only been married a couple of years. And this was, she knew she had me here. She knew I was, hey, I got it. Because uh, I was still sleeping in a bed that her mom and dad had said, hey, you can <laughs> you can bring this bed over, you know, let, y'all can take it for your bed. It's your bed. So we did. Now, I have to admit, I was this uh, young, uh, you know, testosterone-driven guy. <laughs> I was sleeping in a white with pink trim bed oh, wow. with a canopy over the top. Now, I admit. <laughs> Why are you telling us that? <laughs> that was, uh, you know, she said, hey, I'd like to get some bed referred. Yes, absolutely. <laughs> but here's what she did, which was so helpful for me. I am not a visual person. You can mm-hmm. tell me about furniture. You can tell me about paint color, and I don't get it. Now, I can do numbers. I can handle the financial number sign. So she comes in, and she said, here's what we would like. This is getting organized. She said, here's what I would like to do for the bedroom. And she had every piece of p- furniture that she was thinking about, a picture. Mm-hmm. That made sense. And underneath it, she said, estimated cost. Wow. And I, I mean, uh, that that gave me, and I said, okay, because uh, we didn't believe in debt. She mm-hmm. said, here's what I'm looking for. Here's what I estimated to cost. This is the budget for furniture for the bedroom. Yes. And she had a number. Well, guess what? This old guy said, hey, I can do that. I can manage that number. So I mm-hmm. said, okay, we'll have that saved up by April the 1st. Mm-hmm. That was a promise. Now, by the way, if it wasn't, I paid dearly for that. No, I didn't. Plus, that's, that's not getting organized. That's playing you like a fiddle. <laughs> <laughs> this is true. She is an expert at it. She, she knew exactly what to do. But literally, we that was how we planned, sitting mm-hmm. around a swimming pool in Cape Girardeau in the dead of winter. That's a great and idea. just spending the time talking yes. and she telling me her wishes. Then I would say, well, here's what I'm thinking, and here's mm-hmm. what I would like to do. And it was just a back and forth. Most yes. of the time, I was doing a ton more listening than I was talking. See, <laughs> but she gave me some insight. Uh, that's why it's important to sit down with your spouse, because you guys are balancing out each that, other. That's right. That's very important. She really helped me get some insight into it. And so it, when we walked out of there, I had one piece of paper. At the whole house, okay. a 24-month plan, and this is what we're going to be on. And, and so I knew it step by step by step. So when the boxes showed up and, you know, she said, you got to write a check for this, I look at it. Most 90% of the time, I'm married to a very frugal wife. She's not a spendthrift, mm-hmm. so very frugal. Mm-hmm. If she said it was going to cost $10,000, almost every time it was always under budget. If it mm-hmm. wasn't, she would come to me and say, hey, th- we couldn't get this at this price. We had, And I was all for it. And we paid cash. So wow. we didn't create Debt, mm-hmm. but they took out that bedroom suit with the canopy on it. I did a dance around the house for an hour. Okay, you get that. So getting organized and spending time. And you talked yes. about documents like credit card, keeping those yes. records. Think people forget to do that. Balancing your checkbook, mm-hmm. things like that. So guardrail number one, I like it. Get organized. Get organized. Spend the time. Get organized. You talked about communication. What's yes. number two? Number two is building your savings or your emergency reserve fund. Yes. That's not as easy to do as it is to say. It's not because it takes something called discipline. And Keith right. mentioned discipline earlier. <laughs> yes. So. And then you mentioned stewardship earlier as well. So that's just the same thing. 
And usually you want to save about 10% from each pay period that you have. Now, when you say emergency fund, you're not talking about 10% in your 401k plan. No, I'm talking about 10% in a savings account. And what's important with that is you don't want to touch it. That's where some, sometimes a lot of people just fall short. All right, now it. we're doing this true confession thing here. So you stick with the canopied bed if that's right. all you yeah, got. Yeah, there right? you go. Yeah. <laughs> well, you know, back to my true confessions, <laughs> yeah. though. I mean, I, I know that Latrice could tell us about her first savings account. That's right. Oh, yeah, oh. and, uh, you know, how very, very disciplined, you know. Yeah. The saving part was good. Life yeah. lesson. Okay, Life okay. Lesson. Let's hear your truth confession. Okay, so my first uh, experience with the savings account happened when I had just graduated from high school. I had gotten all my graduation gifts from people, which was money. And I think I had like $300 that I had accumulated. That's a lot of money. Yeah. High school student, $300. That's good. That was big time back then in Rossville, Georgia. (laughs) (laughs) Big time from Memphis, Tennessee. Yeah, that'll go a long way in Rossville. But um, mom took me to the bank. I opened my savings account. Good job, mom. And something happened that summer. I, I had a boyfriend. I was in love, I thought. And he wanted something called some new uh, Michael Jordan basketball shoes. He wants some Jordans. So because I was blinded by love, I spent money on him. And little did I know, my car would break down that summer. So my mom goes, hey, uh, why don't we get that money out of your savings account? I was like, okay. I did not have that money. So that was my first experience with the savings account. Which was uh, you know, you said, step number two, and I want to read it so everybody gets Build your savings or emergency fund. Right. I guess those Air Jordans. That was an emergency. Yeah, Yeah, exactly. (laughs) Well, you know, let's talk about that. The seriousness of an emergency fund, because what happened, you know, Mm -hmm. you ended up spending it on a gift. And I get that. We do that all the time. But that Mm keyword you said earlier, discipline, Discipline. because you didn't know the car was going to break down. I did not. And like I said, it was a life lesson, something that I learned. And and usually with the emergency uh, reserve fund, you want to um, build about three months worth of liquidity liquidity in that just in case something right. happens, you're off on work. Some people may save one year's worth of liquidity. And a lot of times people will do that, do that because of a transition in a job, a transition with a career. A lot of people talk about they don't feel like they're going to out. They're going to outlive their savings for retirement because yeah. sometimes they dip into the 401k plan and because mm-hmm. they didn't have the discipline to set aside that certain amount of money. Yes. In fact, I was reading a statistic really said, while two thirds believe there's some chance they'll outlive, 14 percent says they're going to out. They know they're going to outlive. They haven't saved the money. Yeah. They, they, they've used the money and they didn't. The key words you had a while ago with a capital D is discipline. Discipline. And that is hard to do for a lot of people. That's mm-hmm. why Lynn and I did it from a communication standpoint. Guardrail number three. Guardrail number three is paying off or reducing debt. That's a big one. And that just comes from, you know, you just want to figure out how much debt you have. And, and you have to just really look at it and, and get honest with yourself. That Sometimes that's something that we don't even want to get real with with ourselves and, and uh, figure out and get something done about it. You know, one of the things we talk about a lot, and you talk about this, Latrice, and by the way, if you just tuned in, you want to talk to Latrice, 757-5757, pick up the phone, give her a call, Latrice McClan, she's one of our great advisors, and the, we have many, though I want to make sure that I, I said think it. they're all. Yes, yeah, we, we do. Yeah. Well, okay, well, should I say all? I mean, that's, no, that, she is, this lady knows her stuff and does a great job counseling people. She definitely people. does. So you said finding out ways, finding out where the money goes. I mean, yes. that's hard to do. Yes, it is. That's why you have to pay attention. Pay attention. And I think maybe earlier we mentioned something about a budget. Uh, but, you you know, reducing debt, you know, get a budget, figure things out, figure out where your money is going. 
and cut down on the debt that you already have. You know, if you really need help in this area, call Latrice, because Latrice will walk you through some of these things. They're very fundamental. We take them for granted, Mm -hmm. but many people, many people struggle with these guardrails because it's just something that a lot of times your mom taught you to set up a savings account. (laughs) Sometimes that doesn't happen. Way to go, mom. But that's what doesn't happen all the times. Or we get caught up into the system and we fail to remember what mom and dad did teach teach us. Number four. Number four is protecting yourself by updating your insurance. And those insurance include your medical insurance, your property and casualty, and even life insurance and disability insurance. Because I know you guys talk a lot about, you know, what's your biggest asset? Your, yourself. Well, yourself, your ability yourself. to earn an income. And yes. uh, that's the disability insurance. Homeowners insurance. All yes. those things are important. Yes. So when you listen, if you think about guardrails, they are get organized. Build your savings or your emergency fund. Don't buy or air Jordans. Be careful on the boyfriends. Exactly. Yeah. And things like that. Choose wisely. So, <laughs> Choose wisely. Uh, that's critical. That is so. Boy, we ought to do a program on that. Yes. That can derail your plan. Yeah. <laughs> oh, that's great. That's great. But then pay off your debt. And, you know, that's, uh, again, make It's a good a investment to pay off your debt. Yeah, make it, make it a real sense of urgency for you. Mm-hmm. Debt can drain you from yeah. Yes, it can. So I guess that's so important. I guess, let me ask you a question, Latrice. Mm-hmm. We, we've got time. I, I really want to know, how would you start somebody with that? I mean, I, I'm a I'm a customer mm-hmm. that walks in, a client that says, Latrice, mm-hmm. help me with it. I'm struggling with it. What would be your, kind of your guideline there? The guideline, first of all, well, you just have to, you have to be honest with me as a client. You have to just say, hey, oh, I'm going to share and open up my life with you. Do you, you find you. that to be difficult for people to do, especially when they feel like they're in trouble? Building that trust is very important. Got you. And that may take one or two meetings. And that's okay because I want to help. We want to get through this. That, you said the key word. You know, it's one thing to listen to the radio. Somebody's giving you this big advice and talking about the snowball and all those things. And I, yeah. I, I do respect what he does. and He does a great job. And everybody knows who I'm talking about. But what you're talking about is sitting down with a person eye to eye. Yes. Straight across the table mm-hmm. and showing them and because they need the help and you're building the trust and you're guiding them. Exactly. Or you cannot put a price on that. That is so quick. So many times, just somebody hold your hand. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Taking yeah. care of that. Sometimes it's just holding, you know, being able to hold someone accountable. Things that they're doing. Big word. Big. Oof. It's an important word. It's an important yeah. word. And then she said earlier to, you know, update your insurance. That's all insurances. Everybody says, well, I'm going to take care of the car. Great. Yeah. Make sure you got the car insurance. Make sure you got the house. But then look, as Keith said, at ensuring your income, it is your most important asset while you're living. Yes, and then is. for your family, of course, make sure you have the adequate amount of life insurance. Whether it's term, permanent, yeah. doesn't make any difference. Just yes. update your insurance. Exactly. If you just tuned in, of course, it's Latrice McClan. You can call her at 75. 75- Five seven five seven five seven. Get that personal update, eye to eye contact with her. She does a great job guiding us uh, through the old light of just building guardrails. Well, I want to thank Keith Quinn for being with me today. Shoemaker Financial and Latrice, both of you guys, excellent program. Thank you. My pleasure. Thank you. Well, and also producer and board operator John McCommon, guest and content coordination Francis Fordner always do a great job for me. Production assistant Melanie Eleanor Moscovich, and of course Miss South History moment Rebecca Brazier and Jude Johnson. Next week, Jason Harrington, Shannon Dyson, Ted Miner. We're going to talk about health care, what's going on in the market, and what's new with Social Security. I'm Jim Shoemaker here every Friday with KWAM 990, helping you. Make Jim Shoemaker and Keith Quinn are registered representatives and investment advisors, and Latrice McLinn is a registered representative of Securian Financial Services Incorporated, securities dealer member FINRA SIPC, a registered investment advisor. Shoemaker Financial is independently owned and operated and is not affiliated with any of the companies mentioned in this show.